Coming up on Locked On Wizards, we have to preview the Wizards-Clippers matchup Saturday night to talk Isak Bonga and Jared Utoff. Plus, with the latest vlog coming out, we got to get into balling in the bubble. All that and more on Locked On Wizards podcast. Welcome to another edition of Locked on Wizards podcast. I'm your host, Renee Washington. And as we close out the week, we have to preview what's coming up this weekend. Clippers versus the Wizards. Saturday night, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Now, looking at both teams, let's get started talking about the Los Angeles Clippers. They're coming off a 99-90 win over the Magic. And we saw Lou Williams lead the Clippers with 22 points. Paul George, four three-pointers in the game, finishing with 18. George and Kawhi Leonard, the two stars of the team, played just 19 minutes each in the game. Kawhi Leonard finished with nine points. But the biggest storyline around the Clippers is not just actually what we saw in their first game Wednesday, but actually what we've been seeing off the floor. Much like the Wizards, the Clippers are missing players. Some who actually came down to Orlando and had to leave due to personal reasons, and some that did not come down to Orlando at all. First, looking at their starting center, Ivach Zubak, and reserve guard Landry Shamit, neither of those two came down to Orlando. For the Clippers, they also had reserve center Montrez Harrell, who actually departed early. The man who calls himself the modern-day Dennis Rodman had to leave Friday to tend to some personal issues, and we saw some heartfelt Instagram story posts by him seems like there's something going on with his grandma. We're not really sure what is going on exactly, but it's an emergency family situation. And then Tuesday night, starting guard Patrick Beverly actually also had to leave. And he intends to rejoin the team in the future, according to sources, but also had to leave. And then the third player from the Clippers, after playing Wednesday against the Magic, Lou Williams also left the bubble. And Lou Williams left on Friday with an excused absence. We're not really sure whether or not Williams or Beverly will return and when if they do. But, but one thing that Coach Doc Rivers said is that players around the league often have personal or family issues that pop up throughout the regular season that have to force them to miss a practice. But normally, they're home. Normally, they're at least in, in the area and there's not a pandemic going on that they're quarantined in. So it's a simple, you know, you miss practice, go tend to whatever family and personal issues you have going on and come back the next day or whenever you're able to get back. But when you're quarantined in the bubble, it makes this a little bit different having to leave the NBA campus and then also having to continuously be tested and having to provide daily negative coronavirus testing while they're away in order to return back to the bubble where they'd have to quarantine again for four days or longer before being able to play. So it just really shows a lot in terms of the protocol and process around the NBA restart because it's not as simple anymore, even for something like having to tend to a family emergency. And Rivers was quoted saying that, He thinks we all knew we could start the league, but the key is, can we finish it? And that will be the big thing. And I think that does raise a a big question that we've all discussed. We've all been looking at whether or not the league could safely carry out the NBA restart with having COVID-19 still having extremely high numbers, especially around Florida. But we didn't even think about it. I know I haven't talked to many about what happens when these players have things that come up. These guys are down, and, and not just players, coaching staff, officials, game day personnel, the reporters that are down there, different people that are down there all with families they've packed up and left their families they they're quarantined in Orlando and the unfortunate circumstances something comes up then what happens and we haven't even talked about that as much but here we have three Clippers players in the course of a week have had to leave Orlando to go tend to personal issues 
And it does lead to a bigger question of how will the NBA finish its restart. So I'm curious to see how this continues to play out and if it's an issue at all with COVID-19 and even social injustice still going on around our world, if this will be an issue moving forward. Now for the Wizards, coming off of their 89-82 loss to the Nuggets on Wednesday, much like the Clippers, both teams are preparing for game two. You know, I think the biggest thing that we saw across the league as teams have been returning is just the, the rust that they have to shake off and the fact that so many teams are still working back with players not being there and just ha- not having had any team practices and games and scrimmages for the last four and a half months. It really does change the flow of a game and, and they now have to work to get back into a rhythm. So with two days of practice in between from Wednesday to Saturday's game, the Wizards are definitely going to be looking to go back to the drawing board. We saw Rui Hachimura lead scoring with a near double-double for 18 points, nine rebounds. Troy Brown Jr., 12 points, five rebounds, five assists, three steals, and an impressive stat line for those two. As we're preparing for the next game, there are some questions that stand out in my mind. Of course, it's always still a scrimmage, so we're going to see players across the league as a whole. We're seeing players whose minutes may be a little bit different. Coaches right now trying to make sure that they're – having their players ease back into playing without rushing them too quickly for those that are dealing with any injuries or coming off of a positive COVID test prior to or towards being allowed from being quarantined, that there's different reasons as and different phases players are in in the NBA restart. So for that reason alone, the scrimmages are they're truly just scrimmages. It's like preseason in any sense where players and coaches are just trying to get a feel of what each other can do, have an opportunity to play against an opponent and see how their plays and rotations work. So some of the questions that I have just around what we're going to see Saturday from Wednesday's game, Jan Mahinmi, will he be a go? You know, I'm curious to see how he comes back and when he comes back from a groin injury that Coach Brooks was saying is nothing serious, but you know, any injury in a sense is something worth wondering over exactly how much it's going to impact the player. And then even for Thomas Bryant, we saw him play seven minutes on Wednesday. Definitely I'm curious to know if he'll, and see if he'll play more minutes Saturday. I'm assuming he will now having had two more days of practice, having had the chance to get a run in on Wednesday. I'm assuming Thomas Bryant will be able to do more Saturday. But in the event that his numbers in terms of minutes do not go up, that's a question mark there as to why not. So I know as this process, this return to play process for players has been different from one player to the next. For Thomas Bryant, we'll see how and, and, and how much more effective he is if he's able to get more minutes on the floor to be able to assist, especially on the offensive end for the Wizards. Another question, will the starting lineup be the same? Now, I know we predicted Wednesday, and I was close in putting Ish Smith in the starting lineup but had the other four correct, but we saw Troy Brown Jr., Isak Bonga, Shabazz Napier, Thomas Bryant, Rui Hachimura. Now, if you had to change someone in this starting lineup, who would it be and why? Let me know in a comment on Locked on Wizards at Locked on Wizards on Twitter or on my personal page at Renee P. Wash on Twitter. Let me know who you would change in the starting lineup or if you would keep the same starting lineup. I personally would keep the same starting lineup. I'm thinking Thomas Bryant gets to a, a longer amount of time on the floor than seven minutes this game. And also having had those five play exceptionally well in the first game and really do a, a good job of, stepping on and kind of setting the tone for the team, I think that's your starting five right now. I wouldn't change anything. The only question I would have is if I'm Coach Brooks is, do you give someone else a, a run at the starting lineup? I know for players, some play differently coming off the bench versus starting. And also you just want to see how they play differently, if at all, having a different role. And if someone's been standing out in practice, like a Mo Wagner, Ish Smith, Jerome Robinson, do you give them an opportunity to get into that starting lineup and kind of be rewarded for that? So not sure if that's going to change at all. I would keep it the same, though, as a, as a coaching perspective. My thought process would be keep it the same. But, it, you know, if not, I'm not sure who that player would be to, to sub in for the starting lineup and who to replace. 
Another thing that we saw in the first game on Wednesday was just some offensive struggles, which, again, no surprise there. For any team coming back, there's rust. There's going to be some, some cobwebs are shaking off and even just getting back into a rhythm, a game rhythm of understanding your rotations, movements, and, and shooting against other opponents, which is something players haven't had a chance to do in four and a half months, aside from playing against their teammates in practice these last couple of weeks. So I think the offensively, we're going to see some differences in terms of the shooting percentage. The Wizards shot just 36.5% from the field Wednesday and went nine for 34 from the three. I think that number is going to change, and I hope so, just to see that progress to show that, you know, the confidence can continue to build from one game to the next, getting a couple more days of practice in, getting a chance to see their sets against another opponent in the Nuggets on Wednesday should hopefully translate to the game on Saturday. So let's see how they respond offensively to do a better job shooting as we saw late down the game you know, in and, and big clutch moments that they could have taken a lead or closed the gap, they were unable to hit those shots. I'm definitely interested to see how the Wizards respond offensively and even defensively. Being challenged playing against the Monstars, that lineup, t- such a tall task, literally. Playing against a group of, of players that are all six, seven, and taller, now having a chance to build that confidence and defensively being forced to, to take on that challenge how that will translate in game two against the Clippers. So Saturday, these two take off against each other, 8 p.m. Eastern time, Wizards versus Clippers. And we get an opportunity again to see how the Wizards are continuing to progress as they're talking around the team about all that they're doing to improve, to build confidence, to build reps, to get experience. This is another opportunity, another game to play, 40 more minutes to see how they're going to translate what they've been working on in practice these last two days, learn from what they, the mistakes they made on Wednesday, and also be better on Saturday versus, again, another top team, not only in the West, but also in the league in the Los Angeles Clippers. So, of course, the Los Angeles Clippers still have Kawhi Leonard, still have Paul George. Without Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, and without Patrick Beverly, a different look Clippers team that will absolutely suffer without having those three, as well as the two in Landry Shamit and Ivach Zubak that are not in Orlando the Clippers are going to have a completely different look coming into the NBA restart. So for the Wizards, it's still a great opportunity to play against a top team. You know, even without those five, still one of the best teams in having Kawhi Leonard and Paul George at the forefront of that roster. And, of course, a great coach in Doc Rivers. So Wizards versus Clippers, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Let me know your starting lineups, and let's see exactly how the Wizards come out in game two to improve and learn from what they did in game one to play better and improve in game two versus the Los Angeles Clippers. So coming up next, we have to get into a little deeper dive in talking about Isak Bonga and Jared Utoff, two players who we have mentioned throughout the week. Let's take a little deeper dive into what they've been doing in practice, what they've been seeing and what others have been seeing from them in our next segment. get into one Wizards player that everyone has been impressed with and has been praising on his return. He's come back confident and overall stronger in every aspect of his game. That's 6'8", 20-year-old Isak Bunga, a 7-foot wingspan. He's just 180 pounds and in his second year has shown so much growth in his game. Now, earlier this week, we shared a quote on Locked on Wizards by Mo Wagner talking about Bunga, someone that he's played with for many times over the course of his career and the two played together in Germany they played their rookie seasons together with the Lakers and were traded to the Wizards together last summer so he's seen Bonga a lot over the course of the last couple years and how he's changed and so when he was speaking highly on Bonga on top of everyone else what they've been saying it just caught a lot of people's interest that 
No matter who's talking from the Wizards, they're all saying the same things. Over the last couple seasons, Bonga has been a player that received a lot of criticism just for his thin frame and that he wasn't able to keep up physically. He's always been skilled. He's always been a great size, but he needed to get stronger. And that's something that Coach Brooks said. He, he spoke about how his jump shot is always a work in progress and has improved since they picked him up last summer. But the biggest thing that he's seen during this time that they've been back together is that Bonga has been much better and more able to take contact. At nearly seven feet tall, and with his lengthiness and his wingspan, if he was able to become a stronger player, it would help so much more, especially in those areas of the court where he has to be able to, to, to hold his own and not be knocked off of his spot because he didn't have the strength. And that's something Brooks has been saying. Now he's able to knock players off when he has the ball in his hands going towards the basket, able to make stronger moves. And when you see that you're stronger on the floor and able to hold your own, by no surprise, it translates into your confidence as a player overall. So Brooks was saying he really likes what Bonga has done with all the workouts, even when they weren't able to be together, and that you can tell it has paid off, and quote, he's growing up. So what has Bonga done? He spoke about it, his four and a half months of training, and just shared what has changed for him and how he's changed as a player on the floor. Well, you always, basically, I was saying, yeah, I got left, I got left, I got, like, get stronger, and um kind of really got into my head what was like she really good so um yeah I would really just say that my body getting stronger but overall just like still working on my whole game now teammate Mo Wagner spoke earlier this week on Bonga's mental change to being more confident trusting himself more and being able to have his physical and psychological game start to come together and Brooks even said from day one he stepped up and that's something that Brooks talked about post-game after the Wizards lost to the Nuggets on Wednesday. Head coach Scott Brooks said, quote, he's brought the juice, he's brought the aggression, he's gotten better. His shot is still improving, but his game, his awareness, I mean, he's only played like 100 minutes his first year, and he passed that after six or seven games this past season. He stepped up. So it was a great first game back for Bunga. He only made one field goal at second quarter three-pointer, but we saw defensively his versatility pay off in helping to defend the Nuggets' extremely large Monstars-like lineup and then also being able to help on the offensive end, even though he wasn't scoring, to get assists. And you just saw the confidence translating into the game. And I know Troy Brown mentioned on Bunga that he's done a great job of just coming in and being a leader and playing his game. And that's something that, as we've been talking about the Wizards' progression each day to get better and each day just to gain more confidence, reps experience, to be able to compete as they start off their first game, July 31st. He has been doing that. He's been finding ways to impact the game, rebounding, passes, knocking down shots, whatever it is, you can see him making those, those improvements in his game. And that's something that hats off to Isak Bunga for continuing to find ways at such a young age. The sky's the limit. He's got so much potential and he's finding ways to grow, to learn and to build that, confidence that's translating into his game physically and psychologically to be stronger on the floor another player I want to get into that we've mentioned throughout the course of the week but I want to take a deeper dive to talk about Jared Utoff the Wizards announced at the end of last week that signed the 26 year old forward to a substitute player position for the remainder of the season now playing with the Memphis Grizzlies in the G League he started 34 games averaged 18.9 points 10.7 rebounds a couple steals blocks a game in 34.9 minutes on average and at 6-9 and at 26 years old Utah is looking to find a more permanent role in the league he has been fortunate to play at a professional level in the G League even had a run 
even had a run earlier in his career with the Dallas Mavericks. And he had this to say about his work to get to a, a higher level within the NBA. I sum that up and if I don't have six hours. <laughs> I've I learned that this has been an incredible journey for me the last four years of being professional. Uh, I've, I've come across so many incredible people that help me, help me along. You know, I, I, I go from, this it's hard for me. I, I've learned so many lessons. Again, I've had so many incredible people uh, pull me pull me aside and, and, and give me pointers, give me help. And I'm just thankful to be here and have this opportunity. Utah actually also had a run playing with the Memphis Grizzlies as he signed a 10-day contract February 27th, saw action in four games, and before then, as mentioned, was playing with the Dallas Mavericks in 2016-2017, where he averaged just 4.4 points and 2.4 rebounds in the 12 minutes on average that he played. And Utah, an undrafted player out of University of Iowa, has played with some now teammates, Thomas Bryant and Mo Wagner, in the past, but still has a lot to learn about the Wizards. And I know if Something that he talked about is that he actually did quarantine for days before joining the rest of the team. So he's been behind the eight ball in that sense. He's coming into a new team, coming into an organization with players he hasn't played with before. A couple, as mentioned, Thomas and Wagner, that he does know and has played against, but has a lot to learn on the fly. And we saw him get a few minutes in the game on Wednesday. Utah spoke about how he's looking to just come in and find ways on both ends of the floor to just do his part defensively and also offensively with his size and versatility to assist with what the Wizards need. And Utah had this to say on what he brings to the floor. Well, I, my, my role primarily would be a, a stretch four. I mean, space the floor and, and we get up and run up and down with, with this group. So uh, I, can, I can run the floor for him, space the floor. On, on defense, I can guard multiple positions, which really helps. So for Jared Utah, he may still be finding his way, but he knows one thing is for certain, and that is he's working to help the Wizards make a playoff push. Part of the push towards the postseason, as all the players have been talking about, just taking it one day at a time to find a way to force a play-in game and hopefully reach the playoffs. So coming up in segment three, we've got to talk about what's been going on off the floor. We have to get into balling in the bubble. Troy Brown Jr. released another edition of his blog, Ballin' in the Bubble, as we got to see something different from the Wizards off the floor. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Ballin' in the Bubble. Troy Brown Jr. dropped another edition of his blog. It has been fun, I will say, around the NBA and the WNBA and all sports, actually, as a lot of players have been vlogging and blogging more and showing us a behind-the-scenes look. It's been pretty entertaining, to be honest, to see more personality. And it's like a chance to get to know these players and coaches in a unique way that we don't always get. We always see them on the court. We always see them on the field. Everything's business as usual. But with these blogs, it's pretty entertaining to see as players are kind of taking us behind the scenes to get to know them more. I know I've been watching a variety of different players' blogs. It's been pretty entertaining. So we have to talk about Troy Brown Jr.'s latest ballin' in the bubble. We got a chance to see the shoe game, <sighs> the Wizards kicks. It was like a, a, an MTV Cribs throwback edition, but the sneaker version. Um, Jan Mahindi started us off showing his shoe game, claiming he's got the best shoe game on the team. 
especially in the bubble, because as he talked about before in another interview, not everybody brought their full style down to Orlando. I mean, I understand why you're going to Orlando. You can't pack everything. And so he showed off his special edition Converse's. We got to learn about the Jan Mahinney special. And he even was talking a little junk about how he's got, as I said, the best shoe game on the team. And then Shorty Brown Jr. had a great quote saying he only brought flip-flops and two pairs of Jordans and that he's not trying to impress anyone. He's trying to hoop. I think I would really struggle because I'm an overpacker. If any of you know struggle, I like to always pack like with the mindset of what if I go here and what I need outfits for every occasion. I need varieties in those outfits. You never know what the weather's going to be like. Florida, it's always raining in Florida. You'll have it be really hot. It'll be humid and then it'll be raining. It's just a mess in Florida. So I know I'm an overpacker. So I honestly understand the need to bring a lot of clothes and shoes specifically. I know they're talking about shoes, but in general, I probably would have brought a lot more shoes than, than any of these players showed. And then we saw Rui Hachimura show off his Jordans. He had about five pair of Jordans that he showed off. Thomas Bryant got in on the fun, sharing his shoes. I want you guys to check it out and let me know who you think has the better shoe game. Of the sneakers we saw, Jordans, Converse's, who do you think had the best shoe game on the Wizards from Rui Hachimura, Jan Mahinmi, and Thomas Bryant? And then we got a behind-the-scenes look as the team saw the arena for the first time, that was kind of cool to get those initial reactions. I know we got to see the arena Wednesday in their game versus the Nuggets, but to see the players entering into the facility and then also to see the game footage from the Wizards scrimmage versus the Nuggets that Troy Brown posted in Ball in the Bubble, that was, that was pretty cool. And the funniest for me was to see the press conference set up because I'm always on the other side of those and watching from the computer to see, you know, the, as the questions are being asked and as we're talking with the players. So that was a pretty cool behind-the-scenes look at Troy's post-game interview after the Wizards lost to the Nuggets because I, again, was on the other side of it. So it was, like, kind of cool. I don't know, in a weird way. It's just strange times we're living in where we're now watching teams as they're being quarantined and finding fun, exciting, engaging ways to connect with their fans and also just showing us a sneak peek into their lives in quarantine, the bubble, the wobble, all sports. So I'm enjoying Troy Brown Jr.'s balling in the bubble. And it's pretty also awesome to see how these players are taking on this responsibility to capture these moments. I know Troy Brown was talking about it and some other players have talked about it like this is history. I don't know if enough people realize for as crazy as everything is that's going on right now, we're in the middle of history. This is literally history in the making. And to capture on video with these behind-the-scenes looks, this is the type of stuff that when we watched The Last Dance with Michael Jordan a couple months ago, these are the moments that he was able to capture, you know, of course, now with it being the bubble. These are the types of moments that 10, 15, 20 years from now are going to make for a pretty awesome, exciting documentary that we'll all get to relive the craziness, and whatever excitement comes from the NBA restart as we're getting this chance to see behind-the-scenes looks. So another week of Locked on Wizards, and more importantly, basketball getting started. We had the NBA scrimmages take off on Wednesday. Of course, the Wizards being one of the first teams to take the court again. We are finally back into basketball. The NBA, the WNBA, all getting started, and it's been an exciting time to be able to sit back and watch and talk sports again. Isn't this what it's all about? Being able to debate, being able to get on each other, trash talk each other. It has been a lot of fun to be back into the swing of things, watching how sports are safely returning. The MLB got started this past week. Soccer's in the midst of playoffs for the women's side and going to the championship for the MLS, getting into their – oh, it's just fun. It's just great stuff. 
So the Wizards take on the Clippers on Saturday. Another opportunity to watch basketball. Yes! Another chance to watch the game. 8 p.m. Eastern time. Let's see what happens around the starting five and how the Wizards respond after losing on Wednesday. And more importantly, just respond after a few more days of basketball together, training, working through their, their offense and their defense as they take on the Clippers Saturday. So thank you all for tuning in to another edition of Locked on Wizards with me, your host, Renee Washington. As always, hit that subscribe button. Give us a five-star review. We'll be back next week as we talk about the Wizards-Clippers game, also the Wizards-Lakers, and preparing for the first official game, July 31st, against the Phoenix Sun. So you're listening to Locked on Wizards right here on Locked on Podcast Network. Have a great weekend. Washington out.